This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo-Daily, is Dublin city centre lawless? An American man remains in hospital this morning following a brutal and unprovoked attack in Dublin's north inner city. Guardia are trying to establish a motive for the attack, which the Minister for Justice has described as brutal, but don't believe it was a robbery because the victim still had his possessions. You have to remember that it also happened on Talbot Street. It's one of the main thoroughfares uh, through Dublin city centre, particularly for those uh, coming from Connolly Station. Following a vicious attack on an American tourist in the heart of the capital, crime in Dublin has taken centre stage in the national debate. I would like to reclaim our city and have a situation where ordinary people out for a stroll at night, out for a pint at night, aren't afraid of their lives. A firm and tough response has been promised from the highest levels of government. But what does this soundbite mean? Words, they go a long way only if there's actual meaningful plans put in place behind them. And you can see that with the Garda resources at the moment, they're simply not there, they're not good enough and they're dwindling. With Garda numbers failing to reach targets, is a lack of policing a problem? And will more Garda on the streets make them safe? It's more dangerous because there's less guards to uh, prevent these crimes from happening. There's less visibility in the street because we just don't have the numbers as we used to have. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Robin Schiller and Amy Blaney of the Irish Independent to examine what is happening in the capital city. Robin, we had a fairly savage assault on an American tourist in Dublin city centre last week. Can you tell us what happened there? Yes, savage is definitely the word for it. Uh, Stephen Termini, who's from Buffalo, New York, was over here on vacation. He arrived in Dublin on Tuesday and on Wednesday evening was socialising on Talbot Street in Dublin city centre. And CCTV footage of that attack shows him walking along Talbot Street, seeming to mind his own business, and there's some kind of altercation or words exchanged with about six young people. Whatever was said, he was subjected to a violent attack, and the footage shows him being kicked in the head several times, punched, beaten, and then dragged around the corner to a side street off-site and subjected to more punches. And he suffered serious head injuries, potential brain injuries, injuries to the eye. We're not quite sure the extent of them yet, but he's still... Uh, nearly a week later in Bowman Hospital, still being treated in the intensive care unit. Yeah, so it, pretty brutal uh, attack, probably because it's a tourist, it, it elevates it in terms of the, the, the public mindset uh, as well. What do we know about the perpetrators? 
Uh, we know a bit about them now. What can be said because of their ages and for legal reasons, we can't go into too much. But certainly the feeling is that they're all aged between kind of 14 and 15, a young group of teenagers. And the suspicion is that it's not the first time they've been allegedly involved in incident like this. There are there have been reports and Gardaí are investigating other assaults in the city centre in the last weeks and months. And it is certainly a cause of concern for Gardaí. Yeah, and members of Steve Termini's family have been speaking as well, saying that you know they hope to travel over here and be here when he when he wakes up because he, he is still unconscious. Yeah, I spoke to his son, uh, Mike Rizzuto, on Friday initially, and he said he was trying to put plans in place to come over. They didn't have the money to travel right away. I got an update off him over the weekend and he's simply blown away by this public support he's gotten. They set up a GoFundMe page which has raised, I think, over or in around seven seventy thousand euro. And he's just he's kinda of saying yesterday he has no he's lost for words, he's in disbelief about the, the support they're receiving and the help they're getting from both communities in Ireland and America. And all they really want to do now at this stage is travel over here and be with their father when he wakes up hopefully and help him in his recovery. Yeah, I mean, do you think that public outpouring of support is kind of reflective of people's view when an event like this happened that, that they want to kind of rally around a family and support them? Yeah, of course. I think it's an awful thing to happen for a tourist to visit our capital. He's visited here numerous times before and for him to come back and to see him in the state that he is, it's awful. I mean, I, I don't think people particularly feel safe walking around the capital and especially after the attack. Like the reality, I suppose, is and we, we, have, we should point out where he was attacked is actually directly across the street from our own office where the Irish yeah. Independent has been based for the last uh, 20 years previously down in, in, in Abbey Street now here, here on, on Talbot Street so when you see something like that happen you're shocked but you're not really surprised do, do you feel safe when you're walking around the streets of Dublin at the moment Amy? I don't really. I mean, there's different areas of the city, obviously. We can't narrow it down to the Dublin as a whole, but to see Minister Helen McAtee walking around with Gardaí and saying that the city is safe, like it is, of course it is, but there are areas that you wouldn't go. Yeah, Robin, there is a sense now that the city centre has kind of descended into a sort of lawlessness uh, in in recent times, even the even the Taoiseach uh, acknowledging at the weekend that there has been a, a deterioration in terms of public order in the streets since the pandemic. I'm somebody who's from Dublin, lived in Dublin uh, all my life. Um, uh, but like any city, uh, it has um, a problem with public order offences and violence happens. Um, it's never acceptable. There is a strong response from government, uh, both in terms of stiffer penalties uh, and also in terms of um, increasing guard, guard resources. Is that fair? Are there now no-go areas in the city? Is there actual lawlessness where people are just utterly just do not care what they do? They just don't think they're going to be caught. I think that is true to a certain extent and the evidence is there from what we saw with Stephen Termini last week and the previous one with Alexander Hikov, a Ukrainian actor who was assaulted outside the Abbey Theatre. The attack took place on the same day the Taoiseach was in Kyiv, where he met and apologised to Oleksandr Herkov, another tourist victim of an assault in Dublin's north inner city. The actor was part of a Kyiv theatre production of Brian Friel's translations when he was attacked and hit with a bottle outside the Abbey Theatre by a group of five who tried to rob him. If there are no consequences to what they're doing, if they're not being arrested, if it comes to a situation where they're you know, attacking people, leaving them in serious condition hospital, and nothing effective has been done to a, a proper extent about it, that is indicative of a certain amount of lawlessness where there are no consequences, there is no law, 
being affected so that will be true to a certain extent and you know 10pm on a Wednesday evening the street was busy enough it's near O'Connell Street it's just yards from the Garda station and it's near Connolly station it is a busy street it's not like some side alley where it wouldn't be too visited and you know for for teenagers for youths to feel that they can you know carry out such a violent attack in you know a fairly busy space without fear seemingly of any consequences it is indicative of some kind of lawlessness happening in the city centre at the moment Definitely drug use is more visible now on the street. Drug dealing is now more visible on, on the streets of the northern city. Is that something that's just happened in recent years or was that always just the case? Well, you go back to what you said about Talbot Street being our officer located there. We've kind of always seen, I suppose, firsthand the uh, nine or eight years I've been working here where drug use has been fairly open on Talbot Street. Uh, drug dealing has been open. Uh, there have been attempts to stop it, but it hasn't worked clearly in the last few years. What I think has changed in recent years is the level of violence we're seeing. You know, I think when I was doing a story last week about this assault, I kind of tallied up the newspaper reporting of assaults on Talbot Street. And there's one incident last month where a man was, uh, I think two people were knocked unconscious while attacking a man on Talbot Street that was videoed and put on social media. There's another stabbing on the corner of Talbot Street uh, a few weeks ago. And then in December, another man knocked unconscious on Talbot Street. So I think while open drug dealing has always been an issue, I think the level of violence we're seeing now is something that I haven't seen kind of worked on the street itself for the past seven, eight, nine years. Yeah, I mean, look, this is an old, unique part of Dublin City, quite historic as well. And it's it certainly got great character, you'd, you'd say that much for it, but there is a lot of social problems in the area. What maybe has been Dublin City Council's response to this kind of upsurge of drug use and violence in the streets because it's not just a policing issue. There isn't a whole lot Dublin City Council can do in terms of criminality and law enforcement. It is the remit of Angarda Siakona. But recently the council has taken measures to block off certain areas, close off areas to the public due to a high level of antisocial behaviour. So I'm talking about Harbour Lane um, in particular. It's a laneway just off Abbey Street. It's kind of a shortcut from Abbey Street to the Keys. The council have proposed to close off the laneway completely at the request of local businesses due to the level of drugs going on there. Um, there's reports of drug use, prostitution, antisocial behaviour in general going on there day and night. Um, at a recent council meeting, one councillor said the laneway has become kind of an indication of just how policing in the inner city is failing. The fact that they have to close off a laneway to stop antisocial behaviour and drug use, is it really the answer? I mean... Most people would say closing off the laneway is probably not the answer. It will just move to the next laneway or move to another place in the city. Other councillors said that the lack of policing in the inner city has just become kind of the reality of living in, in inner city Dublin, which is quite sad to think that. But yeah, the laneway itself is very secluded. There's no shop fronts and there's no houses. And DCC has spoken to the businesses that open onto the back of the laneway. So a lot of them will store their bins there and stuff. Um, and they have asked the council to close it off now completely because it's not worth the hassle and the difficulty in dealing with the behaviour that's going on there. I went down myself last week um, to see to write a story about it. And the ground was covered in drug paraphernalia, needles, pipes, syringes, tinfoil. Um, there was a strong smell of urine. I was sweared at by one person, told to F off. I mean, for people to use that as a shortcut, I personally wouldn't use it as a shortcut. So I can see why the council is closing it off. But is it the answer to antisocial behaviour in the city? I, I don't think so. It'll probably move on to another area of the city. 
the council have kind of taken this approach to closing off areas recently. So the Dominic Street flats are only less than a 10 minute walk from Talbot Street and this area in particular where the attack happened. It's their vacant derelict building that have become kind of a hotspot for extreme drug use. Um, and it's right outside a Lewis stop. So people they were waiting for the Lewis are kind of being tormented and taunted by these gangs going in and drug dealing inside the flats. So the council have taken the approach now to just build kind of a wall around the flats, put up a big hoarding and steel fencing at the back to just block it off completely. Again, is that going to stop criminality in the Dominic Street flats? Probably not. Yeah, these are complex issues. They're not just, you can't just point to one thing and say, if we put a, a guard on every street corner, that'll solve the problem because no, it won't, it'll, it'll move it elsewhere. Amy, as a young woman walking around Dublin City Centre, what would you like to see? More Gardaí. I think that's the kind of straightforward answer. We do need more Gardaí. I mean, the Assistant Garda Commissioner, Angela Willis, met with Dublin City Council on Monday afternoon um, to discuss policing in the capital. Um, Lord Mayor of Dublin, Dyer Rocha, pointed out that there's been a 4% drop in the number of Gardaí working in stations in Dublin's north inner city since the start of the year. So a 4% drop since the start of the year is quite a reduction of Gardaí. Um, so for me as a young woman walking around the inner city, I would like to see more Gardaí on the streets. There seems to be a view, Robin, that something happened during COVID-19. The, the streets obviously became deserted uh, during that, that period. And a, lot, a lot of people left the cities. Uh, obviously, you didn't have workers coming in and out to offices and so on and so forth. Something happened during that period that as people have come back, it hasn't kind of resolved itself by having safety of numbers. As you say, Steve Termini was attacked on what is a busy street. Uh, a lot of the, the issues that, that Amy is outlining are in busy thoroughfares. They're not really off the beaten track, so to speak. What exactly is happening with the Garda presence on the streets? Uh, it's reducing in simple terms. You know, the, the stats from the last decade, I think, show that slowly but surely Garda numbers are going down. They're leaving in droves in certain circumstances, but they're not being replaced in time. It's more dangerous because there's less guards to uh, prevent these crimes from happening. There's less visibility in the street because we just don't, we just don't have the numbers as we used to have. Um, as I said, like we have 850 guards less now than we did in 2020. Our um, resignations are, are increasing year on year. We're already up to 71 in the year 2023. And what you effectively have is coinciding with that drop is assaults are going up. I looked at the stats just for the Store Street District now, so that kind of main north in the city area. And last year there were 604 assaults and related crimes, which is threats to kill. Um, the previous year was about 540, and then pre-COVID it was in around that kind of 500 mark as well. And a decade ago it was 300. So you have in the space of 10 years at a time when Fine Gael, who say they're the party for law and order, have been in government, assaults in that kind of busy area, which places O'Connell Street, Talbot Street and much of Northern City, assaults are doubling while Garda numbers are going down. So I think it is indicative of while having Garda on the street isn't the only solution. And there's other social issues, um, early intervention, youth services, drug services, they all form part of combating this issue. I think it's quite clear that with the number of Gardaí going down, assaults going up, there is a clear correlation with that. And you know, Garda manpower is certainly one key aspect of making sure that you know these crimes are dealt with and simply prevented from happening. The, the other issue that's, that stands out here is that the alleged perpetrators, and look, it hasn't gone through the, the criminal justice system so far, uh, they were so young uh, as, as well. What can Gardy do to to police young offenders, or is or is that 
part of the problem that there isn't a kind of a, a whole holistic solution to this bar just arresting them? Well, from the guard point of view, they can arrest them, they can investigate the crime, and ultimately it's up to either, you know, youth diversion program officers or the director of public prosecutions to decide how that youth is dealt with if their age comes between 13 and 17. And a lot of time you have young offenders being put through these diversion programs simply to avoid having a person that young going through the criminal justice system, being put into that system at such an early age. But unfortunately, with crimes like this and other serious incidents, that can't be avoided. In certain cases, you can't but avoid the criminal justice system and there has to be a deterrent. You can look at, I suppose, issues in early intervention, local services to prevent something happening. When it does happen, you have to also have proper enforcement in place and put some kind of deterrent in place to show people that this simply can't happen and there has to be consequences for this kind of stuff. Is there a view you're hearing back from Gardaí and Gardaí representative bodies that public disorder is not enough of a priority for this government? It certainly seems to be, and you can see that in the actual action that's effect like words, you know, they go a long way only if there's actual meaningful uh, plans put in place behind them. And you can see that with the guard of resources at the moment, they're simply not there, they're not good enough, and they're dwindling. Um, and you know, Gardaí on the ground, the representative groups certainly say that they're kind of being left out to dry in a way. You know, you have these kind of attacks back in place, they don't have the manpower to deal with it. The number of Gardaí working in stations in Dublin's north inner city has decreased by almost 4% this year. That's according to Garda figures. It's the largest percentage drop in numbers in frontline Gardaí in any division nationwide over the past six months. Um, you have other situations, we can't go into it for legal reasons, but where you know, Gardaí are being prosecuted for effectively doing their job by the Ombudsman Commission. You have situations where GSOC are taking years to come back on a direction, letting a Garda know who's under investigation, if they're being charged or if they're cleared of any wrongdoing. It's not right for a citizen who's being investigated by Gardaí to wait that long for process and it shouldn't be right for Gardaí. So all these other issues are going on. Morale is at a very low point now in on Garda Shikana and they need actual action. Yeah, and, and when we have the Minister for Justice, as you say, on her walkabout, the the, the city centre, accompanied by several Gardaí, which isn't, you know, nobody's going to bother you in a situation like that. She says, you're not going to be safe all the time everywhere. Dublin is a safe place, but people are not going to be safe all the time in any city centre. Is anyone really asking that, you know, there's absolutely zero crime in, in the city centre? I think that's it. You're never going to have crime at zero. Um, you're never not going to have attacks, assaults. It just won't happen in a perfect world, in my but it's just not the reality. What people want is reduction, this kind of stuff. You know, there's been a lot of headlines in the past weeks and months about people being assaulted, left in hospital, serious injuries. To see that reduce is what people actually want. And, you know, for the Justice Minister to go and walk about with several Gardaí in the middle of the day in Tablet Street and say it's safe is one thing. I've, I've been in the city centre myself, um, be it from a work capacity, but also um, in a private capacity. I do think our city is safe, but we do, like any other city, have problems that we need to try and address. The reality is it's just not the case. And when I was speaking to Stephen's termly son, Mike, he brought up the same thing. He was like, look, I know a, a politician in Ireland, the Justice Minister, said that the streets are safe in Dublin. He said, well, apparently not, if the likes of the stuff has happened to my father. And that's the reality. It's just not an entirely safe city at the moment. And the anecdotal evidence is supported by statistics as well, which show that assaults are going up. And my thanks to Amy Blaney and Robin Schiller. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from News Talk, RTE, The Journal, Virgin Media News and Independent.ie. 
If you enjoy the Inno Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.